What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm Justin Michael. have a really fun guest on today's episode, Ryan Edwards of KOA Radio. He's a CSU alumnus, graduated in 2002, so he kind of went down memory lane a little bit. You know, obviously talked about the glory years under Sonny Lubick, you know, the not-so-great years under Mike Bobo, and just the struggle for college football to be relevant as a whole in the state of Colorado. It's obviously an uphill battle. This is no secret. You know, if you follow CSU, you follow CU, you get it. I also gave him a chance to kind of defend himself. He posted a, I don't know, somewhat controversial tweet just basically saying, you know, he's a CSU guy through and through, but Boulder is gorgeous. If he would have visited it there, you know, as a prospective student, it would have been hard to go anywhere else. You know, we just we kind of talked about the fact that it's good for both schools if, you know, the programs are both elevated. Obviously, you know, we're CSU guys, but, you know, he he definitely comes off as a really good dude on this podcast. I knew that. I knew that he would. But it was just fun to catch up with him. We talked about Warren Jackson and his chances to make the Broncos roster. And he told a really cool story about being uh, at the CSU Arkansas game. Um, you know, back in 2018, where the Rams obviously upset the Hogs in Fort Collins. He got to watch that game in the box with Steve Atwater, Arkansas legend, and Jerry Jones. It was was really cool to hear that story, so I think you guys are going to enjoy that. Really, really cool episode. Appreciate him for joining me. And uh, yeah, without further ado, we're going to get to that interview. But first, just a quick word from our partners over at Chevalier Mortgage. You guys, it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market is crazy in Colorado. I'm only renting and it took me months to find a place. If you're trying to buy a place, let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They will alleviate so much stress and worry off of your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with the full financial picture in mind and with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you're still on the fence about the type of people that Mike and Virginia are, They're proud CSU alums, they're DNVR members, they work nights and weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their current situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm really excited about this guest. We've got Ryan Edwards of 850 KOA, host of Broncos Country Tonight, uh, Colorado State alumnus, class of 2002. So a Ram, always good to have more Rams in Denver media. Ryan, thank you for coming on and doing this, man. Absolutely. Appreciate the invite. Happy birthday, by the way. Appreciate it. Much love there. You know, Ryan, I know you're a good guy, but you posted a controversial tweet this week. And the reason I got you on here is because I want to make sure that you're still in the Ram Club. I don't want all of Ram Nation to turn their back on you. If, if you missed the tweet, I'm going to read it real quick. It says, I'm a CSU Ram through and through, and I loved my time in Fort Collins, but I'd be blind if I didn't acknowledge how incredibly beautiful Boulder is. 
I didn't get a chance to tour the city when I visited from New Mexico, but if I did, it would have been tough to go anywhere else. Did you take some heat for this one at all? Or were, I mean, there's so many CU fans on Twitter. A lot of them were probably like, yeah, go buffs. Yeah. I, I did take some, uh, some heat from uh, some of my, from my CSU brethren and I deservedly. So like, listen, I, I'd say the college version of me uh, would never think that would ever be tweeted out. Like there, there's just no way that a, uh, late teens, early 20 something version of me would have ever thought that would have uh, been a thought that happened because I was uh, so diehard CSU and I didn't like anything CU at the time. Uh, but uh, you know, as, as I grow up, you know, now I'm 41 and I, I appreciate some of the other things in life. And I, I work on a station with, with uh, the CU buffs. And uh, I'm not saying that that necessarily changed me or anything like that, but I'm around a lot of CU buffs and you just sort of uh, appreciate that you want good college football. You want good college sports totally. in this state. And, and so uh, a younger version of me didn't appreciate those things. I didn't care about those things. I wanted CU to lose every single time they took the field. But me now, later on in life, I'm saying, well, actually, I, I can see the other side of this and good college sports is is what the state needs. And, and whether it comes from CSU or CU, I'm always going to pull for CSU more. But in this case, it's like, well, look, if CU does some things that puts this state on the map, I, I don't, as long as it's not at the, the, the negative of CSU, I'm okay with it. I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I definitely come from that same line of thinking. I've talked about it a lot on my podcast and with the buff guys, even like at the end of the day, the best thing for Colorado would be if both of these programs were in the top 25, like right. they were consistently throughout the nineties, throughout the early two thousands. It's been a long, long time since we've had a, uh, both of them relevant. I mean, really, it's been a long time since either of them have been relevant, but even longer since they both were. I think it's just one of those where you can't like, you you can't, I guess, because you're not quite as in the CSU realm, the things you're more of the, the Broncos country now. But whenever I admit anything good about CU people, it's just a, it's a storm of hate. And I'm like, hey, I'm not saying I'm picking CU, but they have cool uniforms. Boulder <laughs> is a, a gorgeous town, but I got I to gotta protect my rep, so I got to just say bad things about Boulder all the time. Yeah, and I, I can understand that. And the, the thing about it is, and I did, because you know, I, I grew up in New Mexico, and I have family in Loveland. So we'd spent a lot of time in Fort Collins. And, and CSU, <laughs> interestingly enough, when you're a kid coming from New Mexico, you don't really know anything about the rivalry. You don't know anything about uh, what it means to be a Ram or a Buff or any of that. So... I, I had just spent more time at Fort Collins and CSU sent me more stuff in the mail, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I, I, I had, I, I probably could have gone, I had the grades uh, and the scores to go kind of to either. Um, I have family that went to both. So my dad went to CSU, but my uncle went to CU. So there would have been a reason for me to kind of go to either, but I just had spent more time at Fort Collins uh, as a younger person. So I went there first and I just fell in love with the campus. And it was like, just, it was exactly where I wanted to be. I went to Avogadro's number, like, like for lunch that day. And I mean, there was just, there was just a vibe that I just fell in love with. And so I spent 10 years in Fort Collins. I mean, I, I graduated in 02. Um, I didn't move all, all the way up to Denver until 2009. So I, I, you know, I moved there in 98. So I, I, I spent a little over 10 years in Fort Collins and I loved every second of it. Um, and, and my parents still live in Temneth. So I, I go visit them quite often, go visit Fort Collins quite often. It, we just, I just happened to be in Boulder. My wife was doing something there. My kids are playing in the Creek. 
I'm, I'm just staring around at the beauty of the area. We had just driven by Folsom and I was just like, man, this is just such a cool town. And I, I think that, like I said, I, I had a moment where I realized I probably would have really dug it, especially because I was a musician at the time. I probably would have really dug it if I had a chance to visit, but I was on such short time and I'd already spent so much time up in that area. I just, it was an easy decision to go CSU and I obviously don't look back. I think you're, I think if anybody says the flat irons aren't gorgeous, they right. probably, they'd be lying. So like, exactly. If you, if you, and you that, know, was the point, that was the point of the tweet, right. That was yeah. the point of the tweet. And I think that's fair. You know, did you, did you consider New Mexico at all? Just being from New Mexico? Well, I, I did. Okay. So it's interesting because at the time I graduated in 1998, it was offered to graduating seniors from New Mexico. You could get a full ride from the New Mexico state lottery. They were oh, giving everybody. I think Wyoming ride. does that right now, I believe. Yeah. I was going to say, and, and then I don't know if New Mexico still does it or not, but I, I had a lot of people go like, you're crazy, man. How are you leaving New Mexico when you have a full ride to go to college? Because the, the dropout rate was so significant and, and the graduate, like I only had a hundred kids graduate my, my, my graduating class. Um, and it was just, it was so significant and such a problem in New Mexico at the time that the incentive was okay. Well, stick around, go to college here. And I, I wanted to get out as fast as possible. And I loved Colorado. Like I said, I had family up here. We'd spent a lot of uh, Christmases up here. We spent a lot of time in the summer. And I just, I, this is the state I always wanted to be in. So it, it was like one of those, like, well, I thought about New Mexico, but I just, I vibed with Colorado way more. And, and my parents' pocketbook, while all that didn't love it as much because I was an out-of-state student, but uh, I, I'm certainly glad, and obviously, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without it. I actually really like Albuquerque. It's one of my favorite towns to to travel to from a from a media perspective, just because the food is amazing. Like I think everybody does that. I mean, it's it's the best Mexican food. But yeah, I, I can't I can't say I blame you there. Wanting to to go to Boulder or Fort Collins in that instance, just get out. It's so green. Like that. That's what happened with me. I grew up. I was in a very similar situation. My dad went to CSU his sister, my aunt went to Colorado. So I, I didn't actually hate CU growing up really when they were in the big 12, I, I rooted for both teams. Like I rooted for CSU when they played cause my allegiance was a little stronger there, but I was a Buffs supporter at least in, in all their other games. It changed a little bit as I got older, just cause it, it, it intensifies a little bit, but it's, it was just kind of funny to me that you had such a, a similar situation coming up. Yeah. And, and honestly, cause, cause college sports, in New Mexico, that's kind of all that they really have. Like if you're, if you're into professional, it's, it's a little bit of a, a divide. Like my dad grew up in Denver. So we were Broncos fans in our house, but there will be times where Broncos games would get kicked off for Cowboys games. It's, it's kind of weird to think for people living in Colorado to think about like that because you have professional sports, you have all the majors here, mm -hmm. but in New Mexico, we don't have any of them. So you're either, you're kind of in, you come into college sports like UNM, right? Or in MSU. And, uh, you know, there, there's some obviously lower level stuff, but, but if you're into pro teams, you kind of have to pick something from outside of the state and that becomes your team. So like, I was like a Baltimore Orioles fan as a kid <laughs> because I love Cal Ripken Jr. Like that, that, that makes sense. My team. Yeah. yeah. But just completely random. Like I, I, I literally just picked it out because I liked Cal Ripken Jr. And I collected a bunch of baseball cards. So I was, I watched a lot of Baltimore Orioles games just when I, I mean, whenever I could, again, we didn't have like on demand anything. You didn't have the MLB package. So it was kind of like, if they came across like, Oh yeah, Cal Ripken's playing. That's great. I'll watch him. 
but, but the Broncos were the only thing that we really watched. And my dad didn't really watch a lot of college football. So I didn't really talk to him about CSU really until I was going there. And then he would watch the games with me or on TV or whatever like that because he was still living in New Mexico. So then we would, we would talk more about the Rams, and I got really into them. And it was such a fun era of football for CSU when I got there with Sonny. And, I, I mean, like that, that for me is still like kind of the, like the fondest memories I have is going to games. I was never a big Hughes Stadium guy, but, but I still – I mean, it's, it's hard not to still appreciate – what college football in the sense of being a fan is like. You know, Hughes, it, like aesthetically and all that, it, it obviously, it wasn't that pretty of a stadium. It's not that comfortable seating wise. It, it was a pain to get in and out of. It caused crazy traffic. It had a great tailgating scene though. I think that's yeah. the one thing that's really missing from Canvas Stadium. There is tailgating, but to tailgate outside the stadium, you kind of got to spend a lot of money on these reserved spots and stuff. And, I just feel like that's not the spirit of what like made the tailgating experience so fun. It's so great that you could just pull up. Oh, it's my buddies. Like we got a 12 pack. Yeah. You got a 12 pack. Let's have a great time. That, that's a good point. I, I guess I sometimes with, with Hughes and tailgating, the one thing I, I constantly knocked about it is it was so far away from campus. So if you lived on campus, which of course we did all the times getting back from the stadium to yeah, that was a pain. campus was a pain. And so I was always one of the people that that was supportive of an on-campus stadium. I, I liked it, but I haven't had a chance to tailgate. I, I did go to uh, a couple of years ago. I went to the Arkansas game with Steve Atwater. Um, and well, that that's was, a hell of a game to go to. Oh, dude, it was so great. We're sitting up in the uh, the press box with Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and all these Arkansas alumni and the chancellor of Arkansas. Uh, we were all up in the, in the, uh, the suite with them and Steve Atwater and and they're just just ribbing me the entire time. I'm, I'm, of course, I'm there with CSU gear on. Like, of yeah. course I have to be. So it's like I'm, I'm in the Arkansas suite hanging <laughs> out with, like, the greats of Arkansas football. And I'm, like, just trying to be quiet, trying to play cool. And Preston Williams, man, he just put on one of the most electric performances. And, I, I, I mean, I just sat there. And, like, as soon as we got to – there was a moment, I think, where Arkansas punted in the fourth quarter. And that was, yeah. like, CSU is going to win this thing. And it's going to be the greatest moment ever. And I just, uh, the, the curse words, I can't even repeat most of the stuff that was said in that suite, but that was, that was a fantastic memory. So, so for me, I, I'm already a fan of Canvas because I have at least that memory. And then I've gotten to see a couple of games with my dad up there because he's got season tickets. What kind of observer is Jerry Jones like? Is he like a quiet guy watches the game and takes it in? He's a like a hoot and hollering type guy. He's 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 very vocal. He's slamming the table uh, every single time. There's a good play. He's like yes, and he stands up and he kind of claps and uh, he is. I mean, because you know, you oftentimes when you're if you're ever watching Dallas Cowboys games, they they pan to the Jerry Jones box, right? And they yes reaction to things like anything good or bad they immediately go to jerry jones and say what what is jerry jones doing uh, he's like that and i think even maybe even amped up a little bit about arkansas so it was it was absolutely 100 everything i, I kind of hoped it was there, the one thing that i will say about about spending time with jerry jones it, it did change a little bit my perception on him because i oftentimes have thought he is not the kind of owner i'd want because he, he makes it about himself yeah, it's, it's a very much a look at me. I'm the owner. I'm the face of the franchise. Nobody else is going to be as big as Jerry Jones for the Dallas Cowboys. But man, he is a very smart, very savvy 
football mind. And and that, that part, I always thought he was just more of an entertainer, more of a showman. But he's he's got a pretty good pulse on good football and what it looks like. I had a long conversation with him about Des Bryant because it was right around the time that they had, had decided to let Des Bryant go. Mm-hmm. And and we kind of broke down Des and his game and where he's at. And it was it wasn't like he had heard that from a scout or from his coach. He, this was like his opinion. I, I came away with like, man, this guy, this guy knows his stuff. It, it was actually kind of a fun breakdown and to kind of do that and have him like talk to me. He didn't know who I was, so he was just sort of talking to me about it. Um, but but I, I came away very impressed. But listen, a highlight for me so far is is having my CSU Rams stick it to Arkansas and uh, being in the same suite as Jerry Jones and Steve Atwater. It was pretty cool. That actually makes me like Jerry a little bit more. I'm not I'm not an yeah. anti-Jerry Jones guy by any means, just because I think to build what he has built and to accomplish, you know, everything that you you have to know what you're doing a little bit. Like obviously the Cowboys have been a little bit of a meme in the 21st century, just with the lack of playoff success and the Tony Romo stuff and all that. But I mean, I could go on a tangent there. Like I think Romo's an underrated quarterback. But anyways, um, I don't know. That makes me feel a little bit better about him, that he's like a cool guy willing to just, you know, talk football with you, even in your CSU gear while playing against Arkansas. Yeah, they were very welcoming, honestly. And they they knew kind of what it was. And they uh, they just they they were all so confident that Arkansas was going to wipe. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they're an SEC team and a Mountain West school like. Yep. What a disaster from from their perspective. I mean, it really was, right. And, I, of course, I got to hold that over Steve for an entire year until, of course, they CSU went out to Arkansas and lost, and that was that was pretty rough. It was still competitive, though, and Colin Hill went down in that game. You know what I, I mean? So, say, like, that completely changed the dynamic of it. Yeah, when Colin went down, that was the moment, and and that was where it was like, oh, man. Because if you'd have stayed up, if you'd have stayed healthy, uh, and you always – I mean, look, I, I actually liked Colin Hill uh, a, a long time. I, I really – thought he could could have been something special without the injuries uh, for CSU. Maybe but, the biggest what if in CSU yeah, football history, honestly. 100%, 100%. So, uh, but that that was uh, that was a tough one uh, to lose him in that game, but yeah, no, it was, they they were very welcoming of, of me in my CSU gear uh, in their suite. Uh, that that was a it was it was a really cool moment. I'm happy you were at that one. There've been a lot of not so great moments in Canvas Stadium since it opened up, but yep. that one and uh, the home opener against Oregon State in particular really right. stand out. And then, funny enough, probably like being in, in the stadium for the Wyoming win this past year was really weird because there were no fans, so it was so empty. And it's like, yes, like this is so exciting, but it it was also like really disappointing because it was just one of those where it's like you couldn't help but think like the students would be so into this, the band would be roaring, like. I, I love going to NFL games. I, my, I've been going to Broncos games my entire life. My grandpa's a season ticket holder, and I've been really fortunate in that regard. But it's a different atmosphere. Like, it's a different type of experience with the college game, with the marching band, and just, like, the pageantry of it all. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that college football will have over professional sports forever. And it, 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 you have to be, like, sort of bleed green and gold, right? I mean, you have to be that. Uh, you're there because of it. And I, I hope CSU could get back to that kind of prominence. And, and honestly, it comes from winning these rivalry games. I, I, oh, totally. I said that forever about Mike Bobo that drove me absolutely up the wall is, is like, look, uh, I actually didn't have anything personally against Coach Bobo, but he could, could not win any of the rivalry games. And 
it's like, okay, well, you know, once in a while you, you, you win a, you have a quality win, you have a, a couple of moments, but losing to Wyoming every single time, losing to Air Force, losing to CU and the way they were losing, I mean, gut-wrenching loss after gut-wrenching loss, it, you could just only hang in there for so long. And it's funny for CSU because sometimes since I work with so many buffs, right? I mean, I work, I've worked with Alfred Williams for years. Uh, I've worked with Chad Brown, uh, all the, all these buffs, CJ, and, and they, they gave me so much crap because there's this glass ceiling with Mountain West teams and, and you're not going to ever be able to compete on the, the national level, right? I was like, look, I, I've come to accept that. It was tough, I think, early on because we're the little brother to see you and all that nonsense. But I was like, man, if they can win the rivalry games, I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay true to my team no matter what. But if they can win the rivalry games, I'm always going to come back. I'm always going to be like, you know, I don't care. You, wanna, you run rivalry games. We're good. We're good. Yeah. You're, you're not competing for a national championship, but you're beating our rivals, and that matters. I think that's spot on. I mean, how do you generate fan support? How do you create student interest in a team when for a half decade straight doesn't win any of the games that matter most? No bowl right. wins, no wins over Colorado, no wins over Wyoming. Air Force is debatably a rival, but it's in-state. It matters to people that follow the program. Those are the games that matter. Like, I mean, it... it It'd be like if the Broncos went, you know, 10 and six, but the six losses that they had were, you know, the Chiefs, the Patriots and the Raiders or whatever. You know what I mean? And people, yes. like, I, I guess it was a good season, but I don't know. It, there's not much to hang our hats on here. Exactly. And that and again, that's even a tough comparison because the Broncos at 10 and six are actually competing for something bigger. That's true. That's probably, and probably eight and eight would probably be like a more right. realistic. But but CSU is competing to go to a bowl, right? I mean, and, yeah. and probably one of the, the mid to lower level bowls. Uh, I mean, now that there's this news about college football playoff expanding, that's exciting. There's a possibility. But again, you got to get inside the top 12, you know, and that that's going to be a, a massive challenge because the strength of schedule is never going to be <laughs> when you're playing the Mountain West it's never going to be strong enough. I mean, you have to go undefeated to, to even make a blip. I mean, I think last year was a coastal Carolina was number 12. So that that's, and they went undefeated. They had to be undefeated to be in that. Since he was undefeated too. And they, yep. they got to like number six. That was like the highest they could get. And it's exactly. just, it's really discouraging in that regard because it's like, well, what else can you do at that point? I get that the, the strength of schedule is obviously not that of the big 10. It's not the sec. Everybody knows that. But if you are scheduling up and you are, you know, trying to play power five conference teams and you are, you know, like at least trying to put yourself in that position, you go undefeated, you win your conference championship and you don't even get an opportunity. It's just like, I don't know. It's, I, I hope that CSU administrators don't look at that and be like, is it even worth, you know, investing in athletics in this scenario, given that we may not even have a realistic opportunity to make the championship anyways. But the thing is, and this is what it's always been, for, in my opinion, for, for CSU or for really any of the Mountain West teams is, is dominate your conference. Yeah, right? I mean, fair. What, what, whatever else happens, happens. But if you're not even dominating your conference, it's the same thing that came up when everybody was trying to see if CU can, or CSU could somehow find their way into one of the, the majors, right? One of the, the, the powers. And I think Big 12 was the, the last one that, that we were, everybody was like, oh, maybe it could happen, maybe it could happen. Well, you're not even dominating the Mountain West. So, uh, yeah, you could, you could somehow maybe get to a P5 uh, conference, but then you're going to be the doormat. Uh, and SCU was a doormat there for a little bit in the, in the Pac-12, right? They were, they were a doormat. Uh, but 
and then maybe people will say, well, then that's what you have to be. At least you're in a power five. You have a chance to move up. But it's like, look, beat your rivals, beat Boise State. You know, when, when where it matters. Ones. Yeah, right. I mean, when where it matters in this conference, and then we can have bigger conversations. It Pipe dreams are just that. And, and so that's that's where I come down with this. Like, well, I, I don't. I don't need CSU every single year trying to compete for a national championship. I need them to win their division. I need to win the, the, the matchups that matter, which with, with the fans, obviously first, and then try to dominate their own conference. And if they can do that, then, then we'll see. I mean, I think sports as a fan, anyways, if you only operate under the championship or bus mindset every single year, year in and year out, I mean, you're going to be a miserable fan for the most part, because if, if, even if your team is great, like look at the avalanche right now, they're an incredible team and they might get bounced in the second round. Like the nuggets of the MVP, they might get swept by the suns. Who knows? Does that mean that this entire season was a failure? None of it was a success. None of it was enjoyable. I don't think so. I will say like, it's different when you're an actual title contender versus, well, that's what you know, like say. a team on the rise. Like I get that it's a different in perception, but right. You know, if, if, well, I mean, if you're like Alabama eight games, yeah. That's right. it's it's a different yeah. mindset when you're Nick Saban versus CSU. Yeah. But like, give me right. a rivalry right. win, like a Wyoming win, right. and I'll be happy. Uh, honestly, and and look, I, you know, walking out of the tunnel with Alfred Williams after the 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 Rams beat the Buffs in in Rocky Mountain Showdown several years ago, uh, I went there with Alan Dmac um, because uh, you know they were and then you know uh, Dmac was was sort of a. a a bandwagon CU bus fan for the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he, he didn't like go there or anything. He just kind of adopted them or whatever. And that's that's fine. People adopt teams or whatever. I mean, I makes sense. He's adopted the apps and years. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but I but being there and and watching CSU, I think in that game, God, this was probably twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. They, they the Rams rushed for like two hundred fifty yards. Because, yeah. I mean, just absolutely tore their soul out of them. And it was the greatest thing I've ever seen, you know? So, I mean, I, I, that's, that's what I need, right? That, that, that right there. I mean, Rams fans will keep showing up. So that's, that's the question that keeps coming up and, and people give Rams a little bit of a hard time. They say, oh, well, you got to show up to your home games. You got to do this. It's like, man, win rivalry games that you're going to fans will show up. If you are winning rivalry games consistently uh, or giving them a chance. And that's the thing is like that with, with Bobo, Sometimes it just didn't feel like we even showed up for him or had a great game plan. It's like, man, you know, getting getting pummeled by Wyoming. And I remember, you know, we had Josh Allen there. So, sure, Josh Allen's pretty dang good. But you know what? I mean, CSU's fielded some good teams during that time. Um, they, they've had, obviously, their struggles, but they've had some good offensive linemen. They've been wide receiver U for the longest time. Like, they, they've had some good players. They've had some good teams. Uh, they, they shouldn't be getting blown out like that, especially in games that matter. Well, especially at home. There there was yeah. one, you know, when they lost to Josh Allen his senior year up in Laramie. In it was snow a game? snowy game. Yeah, yeah. Like basically Josh Allen just made like two or three throws in the fourth quarter yep. that nobody else in the conference is gonna make. Right. They had a tight end make like a diving catch. I didn't even know the guy's name. And it was one of those where it's just like, oh God, like he's gonna do it by himself. And that's exactly what he did. But you're absolutely right. Like the ceiling should have been so much higher. You had Preston Williams, you had Michael Gallup. I mean, Daylon Dawkins was pretty dang good in the backfield. Yeah. Like there was BC Johnson went on to the Vikings. Like this was a talent stacked offense. You have first team, all conference quarterbacks, all conference offensive linemen. It's just like, 
at some point it comes down to like preparation and mentality. And I've interviewed a lot of players that, you know, were, were a part of the McElwain to Bobo transition and, and all of them, you know, really liked Bobo. Like he was fun to play for. He was a yeah. really cool guy. He gave us more freedom and let us express like, you know, with like gear and type stuff. McElwain was really like, we're going to match no visors, no you know, wristbands, but all of them are, are unanimous in this opinion that like, the teams were just more prepared to play under McElwain and they had like a chippier mindset. It seemed obvious. And I was heartbroken when McElwain left. I, I, I understand. I get it. I, I think at the time, and again, you know, more mature me probably appreciates uh, things different now than I did when, when it happened. But uh, I, I was pretty furious because I don't think anybody wants to be the second or, or the, you know, uh, the consolation, like he, he clearly, we know he eventually wanted to go back to SEC. We knew he wanted to go to a bigger program, but man, CSU had just started to really click. They had the 10 win season. They, I mean, everything seemed to be going right. The program was, was heading down the tracks and you could just, you could sort of see the future. It was like they're in your grasp of a team that was going to be competitive for several years. And, and then he bounced and, and you saw it immediately in that bowl game. They just got blown out. And you, you knew that it was going to head towards some bad times, some tough times for the Rams. And I remember I was, uh, I was at the, the, the fan at the time and they were uh, a lot of the guys, they were like, well, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, you're CSU. What did you think was going to happen? Of course he was going to leave. And then that, that was tough for me to hear. But again, I, I see what they were, may mean because compared to SEC, compared to some of these power fives, it's, it's, it's tough to compete against that. You have to have somebody that wants to see this program grow and do special things and dominate the Mountain West. You have to have somebody that wants to believe in that and doesn't care about competing for national championships. And so there's a there's like getting an up and comer in that, getting somebody that's using it as a springboard. But in the end, if you're getting those kinds of coaches, they're probably they're not gonna be sunny, right? They're not gonna be sunny who yeah. looked at CSU as this is the place I want to be. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to see this place succeed. And I'm going to retire here. It, it, it's a special kind of person that, that looks at it that way and can be successful. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but America's top rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new betters and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends and family have all been loving DraftKings Sportsbook and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right, all you gotta do is pick any basketball team that's still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's with the promo code DNVR when you sign up for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only, wagers paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. 
we have partnered with a premier dispensary for you guys to get some smoking hot deals with. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Solace has some banging deals the month of June. Here's a few to look forward to. You can get 15% off all gold shelf concentrates, 20% off all iguana tinctures and tarts, 25% off all Blues Brother joint packs, 25% off all Dixie products, 20% off all Keith Cola products. They're also doing weekly vendor pop-ups for the entire month of June. If you head into the Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace Bar or King Cone when you mention the code as well. That's the Wheat Ridge location of Solace Meds. Head in, mention DNVR20, and you're going to get 20% off your entire order, plus a free Solace Bar or King Cone. That is an incredible offer. Remember, you can get all of these amazing deals and 20% off your entire purchase when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Just head to their website, that's S-O-L-A-C-E-Meds.com, order online and pick up at your convenience. It really does not get any better than this. And again, DNVR20 to save 20% off your entire order. They're in such a tough spot, I think. In some regards, you almost want to target an older coach, which I think was kind of their mindset here, where you you get a guy who's been around, he's been at the P5 level, and you think like, you know, he might be comfortable here. He might be willing to stay a little bit longer versus, you know, if you're like a 26-year-old up and coming, just trying to go from spot to spot. I don't know. I, I don't know what CSU should do at this point. I do think you can be successful as a stepping stone if you're making the right type of hires consistently. That takes a really good AD and somebody that can identify the the right type of coaches consistently. And that's a, that's a tough spot. The thing about McElwain that I think really hurt, I think realistically, most people knew that he would eventually leave. I just don't think they thought he would leave so soon. Right. It was the 10 win season. Didn't even make it to the bowl game of that season. Like if he stays a full another year and they have another top 25 season, get another win over CU, another win over Wyoming, maybe win a bowl game. And then he moves on. I think a lot of CSU fans are feeling a little bit different about it. Just like, you know, we're in a great spot as a program. Like, thank you so much for coming in and doing what you did. But it was kind of, he was just like, all right, as soon as I got it, I'm too good to be here. I'm out. It was a super public search. Like Florida's AD comes yeah. into Fort Collins, ESPN cruiser here. It was just, and then he did an interview in the bowl game. Like when CSU is playing Utah, it does a halftime interview. And it was just so many middle fingers after so much excitement. And I think it's fair to be like, screw that guy. I was actually an intern on his staff. So he was really nice to me. And so like, I don't hate him. But I, I get why some CSU fans are just like, screw that guy. I hope he never wins again. Yeah, and, and that's, man, just bringing up all those memories. <laughs> <laughs> I, you bring up the, the fact that it did feel like the beginning of something. And that, that's exactly what it was. It felt like we, we, were, just get, we were just starting to, to really feel some momentum. And our legs were cut out from underneath us. And, and yeah, the public nature. I remember people were parked out on his lawn up there in Fort Collins. The media was, and they were waiting to see which cars and you're right. Florida showed up and you just, Oh man. And then, yeah, the, the bowl game was so, that was just heartbreaking, especially after that season, you know, 10 wins. And then 
that just you know the, you humbled, felt for the yeah you felt by the players you knew the players where their heads were at and they wanted to go play well because it was such a good season it was such a good team yeah but but I, I don't know I don't know if I wish ill will on him now I mean we're we're, we're so far it's been enough it. time yeah but but I would say yeah the first couple of years after it happened. Uh, Every time Florida lost, I was like, oh, you know, and then he ended up losing his job and you're like, ah, you know what? I mean, that's, uh, that kind of happens. And I don't know what is Jerry it? Uh, Seinfeld. That's a shame with the popcorn yeah. or whatever. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, it's like a Michigan state now, you know, all CU yeah. fans are going to be rooting against Michigan state for, for now until forever, because I mean, they, they kind of feel probably feel the same way. That was worse, man. That was, it was way worse. Like, way worse. He was, publicly was like i'm staying no we had him on our station yeah we had had him on our station the day before he's like i am totally staying here i am committed and it's like the next day or that afternoon he's signing a contract to go to michigan state i was like you know and again the the, uh the college version of me would have been like ah well it's tough tough isn't that terrible like jerry seinfeld oh such a shame see you but now like looking at him like that that that's pretty brutal i'm sorry see you fans (laughs) It was rough. Even like my buff fans friend, I was like, that was, that was nasty. But I also kind of looked at him. I was like, honestly, man, you guys are probably better in the long run. If you have a guy that's, you know, that phony, that that's fake. Like I like, I really like Carl Durrell. I didn't know who he was very much coming in, but I was impressed with what they did last year. No, I like Carl, Carl Durrell. I think that's a great hire. And, and I, there was always a sense with Mel Tucker. You just felt like, yeah, you're right. Just a little bit of phony, just a little bit of showmanship and, I mean, he would, what did he have like a, a, a benefit that night? Like he was shaking. Yeah. He was literally like with CU donors when his, yes. when it like the tweet came out that he had accepted the position at Michigan state. Dude, what a clown. What a clown that dude is. I, yeah, I, I actually join in again. This is to show how far I've come in my CSU versus CU. I joined in on every single time Michigan state loses. I'm, I'm more than okay out there tweeting about how huh, such a shame to see <laughs> because you're right. I, it was, it was worse. McElwain was bad, but, but what Mel Tucker did was, ugh, is, is gross. I'll say this from a recruiting perspective. If I was, you know, at Ohio state, if I was at, you know, Michigan or, or one of these other programs, if we're going after the same guy, I just, you know, that's the first thing I bring up. Like, how could you ever believe a single thing this dude says to you? Like he lied to everyone. Straight face. Yeah, like I said, we had him on we had him on the radio that day. He was talking to Dave Logan and said, I'm here. I'm staying. I made the decision to stay. And I'm like, man, you're gonna lie straight face to Dave Logan. I don't I don't know what I don't know what I can do for you. <laughs> they, yeah, Dave's like the king of Colorado. Like you can't he is. he's Mr. Colorado football at this point. Um, yeah, or, look, look, and I understand if if they're like, well, what is he going to say on the air? And I'm like, then decline the interview. If you're literally working on negotiations with Michigan State, decline the interview. That's that's all you have to do. But don't come on the radio and say, I'm staying. That that's that's the part that that's so brutal because you know, decline the interview. Okay, well then maybe something's happening, or maybe he just doesn't want to talk about it right now. That's all. Yeah, I just thought it was really spineless and like. Most of my listeners are probably rolling their eyes right now because they're just like, you know, crocodile tears. We we yep. don't give a crap. But again, but we we're want, coming listen, from this from a more moderate perspective. We yeah, need but, college but, but football listen, to be we, good. We want good college football, right? I mean, yes, I understand. This is a CSU. Yes, I am a through, I said it, through and through CSU fan. 
I, I watch all the, I watch every game I can, right? And uh, I go to games with my dad. Uh, he's a season ticket holder. I am CSU through and through. Love Fort Collins till I die. But the fact is, we want the we want college sports to matter here in, in Colorado. And as a guy that does work for the Broncos uh, on the on the Broncos flagship and has been doing sports talk radio in this market for twelve years, I'll just tell you, man, college sports is way way far down the totem pole. It it just is. And and if it was a bigger thing. If it mattered to more people, we would do way more of it. And this isn't a slight. It's just kind of the nature of the people in 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 the state. They they want they want Broncos. They want the professional sports. And then we get to college sports. And I want that to change. I want college sports to matter more. That's all. I do too. And it's it's going to take success from from really all the programs. I mean, it even goes down to Air Force. Like you you just need winning teams to generate interest. And if you can get that consistently. The fans will show up, which we saw in that 2014 year where they had three sellouts back to back to back, averaging, you know, like 35,000 fans a night. Like they will show up. You just got to give them a reason to, you know, it's not the Broncos, you know, it, it, the Broncos have not made the playoffs for a half decade. It's been five years of a miserable viewing experience, many of which have I've been in in the stands. But people still come because it's the Broncos and that's it's just different and it always will be. Agreed. And, and the Broncos will win the rivalry games and that they can compete. And, and the thing of the NFL that is going to be obviously different from almost all professional sports, but is going to be different than college, is uh, the level of parity and the fact that you can be a bad team one year and be a playoff team the next year. It, it happens all the time. The 49ers were a two-win team and then they're in the Super Bowl. Like that's, It's not insane. And that, that's a pretty stark jump. But we see that. We see teams that have just the right chemistry of players and, and the coaches and the schedule and all that. And they, they go out and they, they surprise everybody and they win. And there's surprises every year. It's not the same teams in the playoffs. There, there's the same few teams, but there are new teams in the playoffs every single year. And that's what is a little bit of the carrot, at least for the NFL. There was a, a stretch in the NFC South not that long ago for like five or six years in a row. The team that like finished fourth in divi- the division the previous year would then win the division the following year. It happened like five years in a row. It's just I don't, kind of a small example of what you're talking about. But going, you know, speaking of the Broncos and the CSU connection, I did want to ask you a little bit about Warren Jackson before I let yeah. you go. Cause obviously Ram fans are really excited. You know, he was gonna he was the preseason Mountain West player of the year for 2020. Then he opted out, didn't end up getting drafted, which it was a surprise to me. I thought he'd at least go in the seventh round given what he'd produced, but he ends up in a good spot in Denver. I don't know like how much you've been able to look at from the receivers. I know it, there's so much going on at training camp and they've got like guys all spread out, but you know, have you, have you seen any, have you seen him at all? Have you heard anything about him and what do you see his chances of making the team down the line being? I have seen him and yeah, we've been out to some of the practices uh, for OTAs, a mandatory mini camp. We'll get a chance to, to see some more. And then of course, training camp coming up, in late July, we'll see a ton of uh, ton of Warren. I think he's got a good chance, uh, at least of being a practice squad guy this year. Uh, the Broncos will probably go seven deep at wide receiver, but the problem is at least five spots are probably already spoken for. Exactly, yeah. So if, if we say five spots are spoken for, then we're getting to Seth Williams, one of their draft picks this year, as, as one of the, s- the sixth spot maybe. And then Tyree Cleveland was... Uh, a draft pick last year. That might be your seventh spot. So that's that's how deep this receiving group is. But 
again, I, I absolutely see them keeping him as a practice squad guy. Very productive. No, I mean, I don't need to tell you very productive guy at CSU, especially his last year. And, and that this CSU has developed a reputation. I, I, even Preston Williams. I mean, watch what he was able to do down there in Miami. Uh, CSU's do, and Michael Gallup now in Dallas. You, you, there's a reputation for for CSU wide receivers, and I think that the teams are starting to to pay a little bit of attention. It's surprising. Again, I agree that he didn't get drafted, but I always say this because people talk about undrafted players and and how this guy's not good or that guy's not good. And I say, look, man, the 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 small percentage of football players to even make an NFL roster. Let's actually go back. The small percentage to even make a camp, to get an invite to a camp, to make it as a UDFA, is so small as it compared to the the entirety of the the population, or even just the amount of people that play football. So to even get to this point is is amazing. Your top percentile just to be there, and then get a, get a chance to be in training camp, maybe even make it as a practice squad guy. I mean, there's there's certainly. There's certainly a path to it, and the Broncos, if he if he can show some ability in special teams, he might even get a shot this year as a call up. So, I absolutely like his chances. I've seen him out there; he looks good. He looks like he belongs, and I can't wait to see what he can do in training camp. I like that Denver has a history of undrafted free agents, you know, working their way onto the roster. I think the precedent helps his cause. Just. It's a franchise that values talent. You know, obviously there's going to be politics of the draft because you're investing capital in these players. You spend more money on guys you draft. That plays into it. Like Shane Ray got more opportunities early than Shaq Barrett because he was a first round pick and Shaq Barrett was an undrafted free agent. Now, two, three years in, it was clear. Shaq Barrett's a better player. And because of it, Shaq Barrett's still playing, getting paid, and Shane Ray's not even in the league. But like not, you know, not every team, I don't think it's necessarily the same. Like I think certain teams, they value the draft pick so much more that, you know, you might cut a guy as an undrafted free agent just because you invested him. Maybe it's like the fan in me, but at least that's what I'm, I'm holding on to. Like he landed in a spot where they seem to value undrafted free agents more than, than maybe some other teams. You're 100% right. And remember Shaq Barrett was Mountain West defensive player of the year before the Broncos got him as a, as a college free agent, as UDFA. That that goes to the level of talent. Philip Lindsay was a, a storied player up at CU, and he's an undrafted player. So under, being an undrafted player doesn't mean that you're a bad player. It it, it honestly means that for for whatever reasons, teams uh, prioritized other players. And you also have to keep in mind, like like way NFL teams, and I've learned a lot more about this working with Benjamin every single day and and being around the Broncos as much as I am. Teams don't stack their board 270 deep. Right, they they do like 150 players on their board. Yeah, and so if the, any of those players are still on their board, that's the guys they go grab, and then they have their priority free agents built off of that board. So it it's it's funny how people think, well, like oh, well, you're like the 270th player, something like that. It's like, well, actually, that that's kind of remarkable in itself because actually on some other teams board, you are in the top 150, and they're pretty thrilled to get you because they thought you should have gone in the mid rounds. So. Uh, it's just the way things kind of shake out and prioritize. But uh, the Broncos, 100%, have have done such a good job identifying talent for undrafted players. I think Warren's got a chance. I think they they dra- they brought in this offensive tackle Himmelman, who's just a massive human being. He's like six nine, three hundred fifty pounds, offensive tackle. So uh, I think those two guys probably have uh, a little bit of the inside track at making this roster. 
I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know you're a busy guy and I appreciate you even giving as much time as you already have, but I want to run this theory by you and just kind of get your input. So my theory is that Warren Jackson, whether he makes the roster or not early in the season, will be on the roster by the end of the season and that they're going to invest in him because they still have not committed long-term to Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick, who are kind of the only two like big-bodied downfield-type receivers you have. I just think you look at the, the amount of talent that you have at wide receiver, you look at the, how available they are on the market, and you look at a guy like Cortland Sutton who's going to command big money, and even Tim Patrick probably if he has another really good year. And I just wonder if they say, yeah, we let one of these guys go because we've got Warren Jackson, who we can at least have for cheap over the next three, four years. Yeah, don't forget Seth Williams, also a contested catch guy there at Auburn. Good yes, yeah. yeah. It, it, there's there's something to that. We actually have been talking about it on the show the last couple of uh, weeks. In fact, we had Andrew Mason on yesterday, and we were talking about how the wide receiver position is, is approaching a spot kind of like the running back, where it's getting a little bit devalued because you can go into the draft and get a good wide receiver. You can get guys that sometimes are even immediate impact guys like Justin Jefferson last year. Uh, you can go into the second round to get a um, a Clayton right uh, with Pittsburgh. He ended up having a fantastic Great year, touchdowns, yeah. right? So you can you can go into the draft and reset at those positions. And every single draft, we keep talking about, boy, this is this is a great year for wide receivers. And part of that is because college football is going with some more spread. They're they're obviously putting more four or five wide receivers out on the field, running routes, got, you know, tight ends. I think we're going to start seeing some better classes of tight ends. So th- there's a point there for sure. And, and if, if Corlin Sutton puts together a Pro Bowl year, it's going to be hard to say goodbye to that. You're not going to be. He's really him. good. Like, I'm not trying to say yeah. Warren Jackson oh, no, is know, Corlin Sutton. But, but just there, there, might come, there might become a point where, where you'd like to see, again, if the Broncos are in it and Corlin Sutton's healthy, then no, you're probably not going to see Warren Jackson very much. Again, you'd have to have some other injuries there. Tim Patrick might be one of them. If he if he's hurt, then yes, you might see that. But again, it, it sort of depends on where the rest of the roster is. So if Seth Williams is there, Tyree Cleveland, those are both guys that would probably get some some action. Deontay Spencer is their returner, but he's also a speedster, not a contested catch guy, but he might be. You know, they might work him in a little bit more. So Warren Jackson, it, it might be tough to make a game day active wide receiver snap happened this year, but he could definitely be a game day active special teams. And if nothing else, that that's at least on the field at some point. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of players have started as, as special teams guy. I mean, yep. Terrell Davis's first impact moment was a special teams hit. So sometimes you just gotta, you gotta do the dirty work. And I think knowing Warren, you know, personally, and just like the type of grinder, I guess I hate using that word because it's such a coaching cliche that he is, <laughs> you know, he's, he's going to be a guy that does the little things, you know, he's not going to be turn up his nose, you know, like I'm a wide receiver. He's like, I'm six, five, like I'll go jack up some dudes on the field and special teams if I have to. Yeah. And Deontay Spencer talked about that today with the media, just the same thing, like advice to young receivers, advice to young players is just do whatever they ask. Like at this point you're, you're trying to get a job. This is, this is a job interview. And if you want to play in the NFL, then th- there's going to be some unsexy jobs that you have to do, like special teams, like being a gunner, like blocking. But you you impress there. They're going to give you some more opportunities. If you are a bit of a diva about it and you say, well, no, I'm, I'm going to be a star wide receiver in this league. I don't have to do special teams. 
then you got you get to be a star wide receiver in Madden on your couch. That's that's <laughs> the best shot you get. Well put. Yeah, the last thing, and this might be kind of tough on the spot, but you know, thinking back to your time at CSU, you know, what do you think was like your favorite Ram just memory, you know, when it comes to the Sunny Lubick era? Obviously, like maybe like were you ones. at the 99 game with the tear gas? I was. Well. Yeah, I was. I mean, that's not my favorite moment. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. But I mean, the win was was big. But that whole season, like, there was just a lot of crazy stuff. Um, I mean, I think one of the ones that jumps out. I mean, well, Bradley Van Pelt, obviously, and and going up against CU, spiking the football off the helmet. Um, I'm trying to remember what year that was. That might have been that was 02, Yeah, yeah, right after I graduated. Um, or no, 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 that was right. Yeah, right before I graduated. Yeah. So yeah. no, no, no. I graduated in 02, so it would have been that football season. So, yeah, it just left. Um, but but he was a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd say what sticks out, not a specific moment, but just going going to the Rocky Mountain Showdown games at the stadium, tailgating down there at mile high to watch the Rams and the Buffs. And remember, again, at that time, you know, the Rams had had a, a top 25 season in there. Uh, they, they, they were good se- good teams, good seasons. You know, Pete Rebstock uh, was was a fun. Uh, David Anderson, um, they just had some some really fun, talented players. You had uh, the Diesel, right? Cecil, um, my favorite. Yep. yep. Um, so there's there's just some fun teams during the era. Like I said, at this point in my my age, some of it blends. I can't remember if it was no, I right man. right in there when I was there or right after. But I was I was still obviously even after I graduated, um, living up in Fort Collins, I was still going to the games. I was still. Uh, very much involved with with the team, and and I I didn't get into sports talk radio until 2009. So, uh, you know, I, I was I was a fan. I was just a fan during that time. And then obviously, once I got into being in sports talk radio, I had to be a little bit more of an analyst, and I had to. But but CSU, uh, there's only a couple teams that I kind of allow myself to be like kind of a, a geek out fan. Uh, CSU and my Denver Nuggets are like the two teams that I just kind of like. Okay, I'm going to be a I'm going to be a hardcore fan and I don't really care if I say things that are, uh, that are uncouth or, or, uh, seen as, uh, like an analyst shouldn't say those things. Uh, it's my team. Uh, I believe green and gold and, and I always will. Perfectly put, man. We need more of it too. Like there's plenty, you know, half of Denver media came from CU Boulder and that's an exaggeration obviously, but you know, the, the presence is, is very defiant and they're, they're loud and they're proud. So why shouldn't we be, you know, like we, we came through CSU. Somebody's got to stick up for them. Cause if we don't, nobody else will. Um, thank you for coming on and doing this. This was a blast. You know, if you'd be willing to come on again in the future, I'd obviously love to have you. Uh, wh- what time is uh, Broncos country tonight on, on KOA? I know that's also streamable through the iHeart radio app. That's how I usually check it out. Um, but just, you know, where, where can they follow you uh, at our Edwards radio, I believe on Twitter. Yep. Yep, that's correct. Our average radio. Uh, we're on uh, weeknights from 7 to 11 p.m. on KOA. Uh, obviously, barring a Rockies game, if uh, the Rockies are on, we record uh, two hours of the show every single day, no matter what. So, uh, broncoscountrytonight.com. You can always find podcast shows. Make sure you guys check those out. Ryan and Ben Albright, some of the best in the business. Uh, Ben's got all the scoops. I don't know how he does it, but he's scooping people all over the league. It's impressive. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing to watch him work. I've known him for a long time before we even started doing this radio show. And I, I kind of had a bit of a sense of it, but the guy hustles uh, unlike anybody I've ever seen. So uh, w- what he gets, 
it's through hard work and uh, it's legit. So I always uh, very impressed with Ben. One of the best. Check it out. Make sure you follow Ryan at our Edwards Radio. Check out Broncos Country tonight and forgive him for his tweet. Okay, he's just trying to be a rational guy. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not. He's not anti CSU. He hasn't abandoned his roots. He's just coming at it from a little bit more mature perspective, which I think is the goal. You know, we we can't be the people we were in college. If I was, I'd still be beer bong and natty lights, and that would not be good for anybody. No, no. Well, appreciate the time, Justin. Thanks for having me on, man. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want.